0: For over 10 years, we've been bringing you killer metal music and frank discussions about heavy metal. Wait, who the hell is Frank? You are tuned into MSR Cast, brought to you by Mainstream Resistance and Metal Injection. Here are your hosts, Kerry the Metal Geek and Sean the Metal Pigeon. Keep it metal. Hoy. This is James Rivera. I'm going back to old school. MSR Cast. Oh, come on. Yes, we've been around for a long time, and we're not going away. This is James Abira from Hellstar. Support your local scene. Ah!
1: episode number 172 of msr cast the audio fanzine for your ears man hello hey <laughs> that was a lackluster intro from you man <laughs> i, I am one of your ho- say i am one of your hosts i am Carrie, the metal geek i'm along sean
2: with the metal pigeon
1: sean the metal pigeon how you doing
2: man i'm all right
1: this is a very special episode tonight
2: yeah this is a uh, theme episode basically
1: We've been conceptualizing this episode for a while. Yes. Ah, See what I did there?
2: Actually, um, mostly due to kind of like listener demand, actually, for this. Someone actually asked us to do an episode about concept albums, and we thought, yeah, why... But actually, we had thought of the idea before he said something, just just so we're clear. (laughs) But but his goading prompted us into action, so here we are. So um, I think this is going to be more of like a... uh, it's i don't think it's ever a good idea for anyone to go up and say these are definitively the best albums in this particular genre or this con- these are the best concept albums of all time we're just going to talk about the albums that we like the, the concept albums that kind of you know rang true with us basically
1: yeah because doing research for this album there's so there's so many concept albums in the realm of metal. Yeah. More so than any other genre of music there is, really.
2: Yeah, I, I think yeah, and that's the thing I was it, thinking. It really lends itself to Metal lends itself to concept. It, it really does. Yeah, and that's you know with rock, if you look at rock um, even in the past like 15 years, like I think about when there's a rock concept album, it's a big deal is made of the fact that it's a rock concept album or that it's a concept album within rock. Like Stephen Wilson well, that yeah, like this year, Stephen Wilson. That's a good example. I was thinking also, just like remember when American Idiot came out with for Green Day yeah. in two thousand four, and, and it turned was, into it was, a
1: Broadway musical.
2: Yeah, it was a con. It was very. I mean, it was a good album. I liked it. But it was a concept album about the political situation at the time, and it was. But sp- speaking of Broadway musical, a big deal.
1: The first, the, the first album or first concept album that we played on this episode, it's one of my favorites of all time. It's from one of my favorite bands, yeah. uh, musicians, artists. Uh, Arjun Lucassen from Arion. Yeah, uh, the album is The Human Equation, which is funny because they're actually doing a musical version of that in the theater in the Netherlands and a couple of
2: other European cities. It, it's like uh, they're, they're, they're tra- they've translated into a stage. They've translated
1: play? into a stra- uh, like a stage play, like a musical play. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah,
2: that's, that's Virgin Steel esque of them in a sure. way. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so.
1: I, man, I wish this. I wish he would come tour the states, but he doesn't like touring. He doesn't like you know traveling. So yeah. he always always plays around like his home. You know,
2: yeah. Martin come, come down here. It'd be hard to. It'd be hard to, come f- to America, Throw something like that together without him on board. You know,
1: that's one. That's one band artist that I would travel somewhere in the United States to go to go f- see live.
2: Maybe Prague Power one day. Maybe they can build Maybe. up enough money. Yeah, I would go. I, that would, I would be cool.
1: I'd buy my ticket like before you could even. Yeah, wow. Yeah, but so let's talk about the album that we just heard, uh, "The Human Equation." What have you heard this album before?
2: So I've listened to the album before, and then actually the last, uh, you know, many months ago when we were talking about Origin, I was yes. going through Spotify one day and I was listening to different things, and I went back and, and took a listen to a couple of the songs here and there on this album. Slowly but surely, the the barriers between me and, and uh, Arion are breaking down. It just good. it hasn't happened fully yet. It'll yeah. happen.
1: Yeah, Those <laughs> yeah. walls just yeah. come crumbling well, you down. Pl- you
2: played this other track by him um, when we were getting all the prep ready for the show, and I was just like, what are you playing? That sounds really good. Um, so, yeah, every now and then I'll hear something from him that's really good. It's- what I
1: like about... A lot of the Arion stuff. What I what I really like about it is, you know, he'll have guest musicians. Every album has different vocalist. Every album has different, you know, instrumentalist. So let's just go down like the short list of personnel that's on this album. The two main guys in Arion is Arjun Lucassen, who plays everything, mm-hmm. and I really like his vocals too. He 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 admits that he's he hates his vocal style, but I really like it. And then you have Ed Warby, who's been the, the drummer for a long time, who's also from, you know, he's from Gorefest and Hail of Bullets. So he, he brings a, a really good style to the band. But the thing about this album, it's a concept album. Um, the album explores the idea of psychological rebirth and follows the story of a man who, after falling into a coma, following a car accident, he's confronted with his past, his emotions, and his current situation as he lays trapped in his own mind. It's really... Strange concept album, but, but what really makes it work at the very end of the album, there's a little teeny tiny piece that pulls back to the other Arian albums. So it's not just a standalone concept; it's part of the big concept of the the band Arian as a concept hmm, in, okay. in itself. Yeah, because it's the first album he was going to do was, was going to be called Arjun Lukinson Arian, right? And Arian Arian was I don't want to say Ariana's Arian, Arian sounds like the Arian race, but right. Arian. So <laughs> I say it that way. It was the name of the album because it was part of this concept. But they liked the name. The, the record label liked the name, so they just made the whole thing Arian. Huh. Okay. But so, starring in this in this album, you have James Labrie who plays the main character. Um, Mikhail Ackerfeld from Opus is fear, one of the emotions. And this is definitely like you know Inside Out before Inside Out was made right yeah um yeah. you have eric clayton from savior machine uh heather finley um beautiful vocals she's in a band called mostly autumn irene jansen which is Floor jansen's sister Wow, oh, yeah. um magnus ekwal from the quill Devin graves dead soul tribe um marcella bovio uh stream of passion this is where she her first thing that she ever did and he made an album a band just for her because he liked her so much wow yeah uh let's see Mike Baker from Shadow Gallery who's now who's deceased now um devin Townsend is rage and peter da- Peter Daltry is uncredited cameo whatever that means Peter
2: Daltry
1: yeah Peter Daltry
2: no relation to Roger. that's not okay <laughs> maybe
1: I don't know but yeah I mean you have really good you know people on the band you know yeah that's from- vanderbroek from after forever you have uh the, the keyboard is from ken uh from uri Heap. uh it's a bunch of different musicians on this the uh,
2: the singer from mostly autumn yeah she's very underrated that band is also underrated as Agreed. an english folk rock band but um so what so the storyline the first thing you uh, that i thought of was um because this album came out like 2002 or something like wait, wait it was it an uh, early it was release early. right It was
1: 2004
2: okay <laughs> six years later seventh uh wonder would come out with mercy falls and that album was about a guy who falls into a coma in a car accident and but he can still hear like the radio playing in the room he's yeah. at and the voices of his wife and his kid and stuff and so the album's like weaving together all these things it's a more of a microcosm because it's just about him himself um but that's the first thing i thought of and then the second thing was just like is it more of a concept album because ha- they have individual roles assigned to different vocalists, sort of like an Aventasia thing? You know, all, people compare Ariel and Aventasia all the time. Yeah. Or is it is it just the fact that like what okay, so let's let's talk about this. What makes a concept album a concept album in metal where it's so easy to confuse theme albums and concept okay, albums? Okay,
1: good point. Okay. A concept album to me has an an overarching narrative story to it
2: that flows song to song
1: song to song that the whole album from from track one to track whatever it is like on this one track 22 or whatever it's one cohesive story yeah you could make a play out of it you could convert it into a movie you can make a tv show it's something that would be easily scripted into a narrative story
2: yeah and see you know know what i don't think is a concept album like take for example winter sun uh take take their time album time part one Okay, granted, it's only three songs, but it, when you listen to those the lyrics on those songs, he's not really referring to anyone specific or anything in particular. There's not really like a narrative going through it. He's just sort of talking about these grand concepts in each song, and they all relate to time. So, like, it's just sort of like a theme that everything kind of like like spokes on a wheel kind of circles around.
1: It's yeah, it, exactly right. It's it's a loose narrative. It's a loose concept. It's it's more of a.
2: I, don't See, know, I, I Their idea, yeah, it's, like, cool. it's
1: songs that fit together in a style, but yeah,
2: like like theme to me is like it's like there can be like there are theme albums without even like there could be a theme album that exists without narrative, like uh, um, I'm trying to think of a good example right now, like something like like even like a creator album, you know, like like Phantom Antichrist, yeah, which seems like a nonsensical title when you look through the album. No, okay, forget that. Stalingrad for except the the not the last one but the one before yes, the last one. right, right, right. Just World War 2 themed songs kind of about the Eastern Front.
1: Okay, on that, on that note, what but, about in, Sabaton?
2: Okay, yeah, and Sabaton that was only done one concept album. That was Carolus Rex. Carolus Rex where but, it's very much sequentially in order. Right, but the rest of their albums are they theme, all have the theme. they're
1: themed. They they have songs that deal with war different battles but it's not an overarching storyline yeah like
2: like like, uh the last album heroes it's about non-violent heroism yeah like actions of non-violent heroism so yeah i mean in metal it's just like it's just this weird thing where sometimes i get annoyed when reading things online where people go oh there's a concept album like really that's a concept album
1: a lot of people like think of a like symphony x does them Dream Theater has done a couple. Everybody thinks that Dream Theater is a concept metal band, but they don't really do it that often.
2: Yeah, I think they've done like, and we can think of Scene from, from memory. memory too. Yeah, and then they did uh, uh not uh, not Oct- uh, was it Train of Thought? There was another no, one. No, I don't think so. I don't think that was even. So maybe they just done the one. There's another one. I can't think of right album. now. Okay, there's also uh, Symphony X. Gets gets tagged with that a lot. Yes, like Iconoclast, not, not a, a concept album. No, you know, um, people might argue "Paradise Lost" was a concept album.
1: It is. It's based on the the epic play.
2: It's based on the play, but it's like, like, are they just referring to it, or you know, it's like, I think in metal you have to actually look at the lyrics to determine whether something's a concept album or not. Determine whether is there is a narrative. Are we we can say like definitively? I don't know if we can if we want to be definitive. We can say concept albums in metal have to have narrative.
1: So speaking of a band that does narrative really, really well. Let's, this is like the, mo, it's, it's the epitome of a concept album. It came out, uh, 1988. It's Queensryche mm-hmm. operation mind crime. I remember when I first got this album, it came with a little insert and in where you could actually listen to the album, read the lyrics, figure out who the killer in the storyline was and yeah. you could win stuff. Yeah. That's, that's a, <laughs> that's a definite concept album
2: yeah i think for me the thing with the the big clue in for Drake was that they filmed all that stuff you know they filmed basically that mini yeah those mini series of skits or whatever movies to go along with the release of the album that came out in the video mind crime thing right Um, yeah and they
1: played it live when they played live yeah yeah they used all that
2: footage live which if you go back and look at that footage it's amazing how well the production value on that stuff holds up. Like the scene with Nikki, like having the gun facing the uh, professor X or Dr. X or whatever. Like, it's, really, X it's really compelling stuff. You're like, this isn't cheesy at all. Somehow this works. Like, Too bad Jeff Tate's voice didn't hold up. Yeah. But on that album, he was untouchable. Like maybe one of the greatest metal performances of all time. Yeah. By a vocalist on that album. I'll give him that, you know,
1: and it's not the heaviest album out there, but it, it was damn good.
2: Yeah, and, and it was it was one of those albums where it's like um, it was one, at least for me when I when I was was growing up listening to metal it was the first album I heard of where there were like not I don't want to say skits because that's such a, a a goofy way of there's alluding to it but there's, there's narrative songs, segues yeah. yeah which you know they did very well other bands now in the past fifteen years have sort of the way from how to do those tastefully but
1: and of course it led to a sequel but we're not going to go there yeah we will not acknowledge that that album at all even though i did see them after operation mind crime 2 came out i went and saw them live and they played both in their entirety and that was cool the the whole you know the narrative like the you know the people coming out and acting out the storyline yeah that was really cool but
2: it clearly what may be the greatest concept metal concept album of all time. I mean, I, I people are going to argue about it. Um, I think it's one of the greatest It's one of the greatest because it was such a, it was such a vague storyline. You didn't really know who these revolutionaries were, who Nikki was joining up with, what exactly, uh, X's motivations were and like, and like why, why he's in touch with this nun anyway, <laughs> you know, sister Mary or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, prostitute, I don't know. There, there's and it was it was just there was so prostitute many prostitute none same that, same. Basically, the reason why it was so great was because there was the narrative was was sketched out enough for you to kind of be, become immersed in the world, but not filled in enough. It was, it was so open that you can kind of fill in the gaps and, and speculate. Yeah, and, and stuff. the
1: songs are really good. I mean, there was how many top ten songs on this album?
2: Uh, well, I mean, Eyes of a Stranger was the song that broke them on. I MTV. don't believe in love. I don't believe in love. That was a great song. And the entire album, it's flawless. There's not a bad song on that album.
1: Either with Stranger, great song. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think that um, the one we're going to play is uh, Breaking the Silence. That's yes, right. And I chose this one just because it's not, it's not one of the ones you hear on the radio all the time or, or on MTV or whatever, like like these things actually exist anymore. <laughs> um, but it's just like... Do uh, they
1: play music on MTV?
2: Yeah. <laughs> but it's like it's just one of those integral songs in the plot of the... Because I think Breaking the Silence is basically either he just shoots her, like, this is after Sweet Sister Mary, like, he, he, um...
1: It's about three tracks after that.
2: Yeah, and so basically it's him on the run, him running through the streets, and it's just a very visceral imagery of him, you know, hauling down the streets yeah. or something. And I, I always thought that song was, like, epitomized, like, the kind of despair of that of that character in the album, so...
1: So let's get into it. Um we'll be back after we listen to Queensrike breaking the science. silence silence. Silence. Breaking the silence from Operation Minecrime. breaking the silence on msrcast <laughs> okay that was a Queen strike from um groundbreaking album operation mind crime from 1988 one of the best concept albums of all times even if you don't like jeff tate now you don't like the direction he took Queen strike. you cannot deny that how great that album is
2: yeah and his performances like even um, when you watch the music video for eyes of a Stranger. As a front man, he was just un—he unbe- was—he was invincible.
1: I still well, like Empire too. That album's amazing too. Empire
2: is great. The 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 version they did on the the Empire tour, the where they played Mindcrime live with the you know stages and lights and video effects and everything. That was that DVD is is fantastic. Still the watch to this day. Jeff Tate in his prime, even as a performer, was unbelievable. He was always very theatrical. Right. It's just that. Well, let's just choose to remember him in that that perfect era of of Jeff, Jeff Tate. So um, credit to him, which is no longer. And, and of course, you know, we. Can, I mean, I'm not going to forget to mention Chris Degarmo, who he wrote know, a lot of that. The, the song was on effectively writing yeah. most of that album. Yeah, well, Michael Wilton contributed to to that album, but um, when you go back and read interviews from that time, and I've I've done this, you know, like for Queen they always talked about how like it came like the the concept kind of came together organically and stuff they weren't even intending to do a concept album they they had thought they were doing a concept album with rage for order but it was just the you know it was kind of a loosely themed yeah. album just about future you know futurism and technology and stuff like that so uh, i think it was telling that when when they were done with operation mind crime they realized like at least with Chris Degarmo in the band, like we were never going to touch anything like that again. Like, which just do. Like, Empire was the complete opposite of Operation Mindcrime. Just vague songs about different sh- subjects, not tied in at all. Um,
1: and then, you know, uh, well, I think there was a loose concept, a loose theme on Empire. It just wasn't it, a it, concept it was just,
2: album. It was just like social issues. But then you right. had, you know, like stuff like One and Only, and um, which was a love song, and Silent in the City was about lucid dreaming so i mean there there are songs on on empire like silent
1: lucid i never heard that song
2: <laughs> there but there are songs on empire like best i can empire the actual song yeah best i can that, that they sort of relate to each other because they're based on social issues but then you have a song like the thin red line which was about s&m so was it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> look All at right. those lyrics. All so that, I never I, paid
1: I, that much attention to the lyrics, Empire.
2: Man. Like they, they, uh, they really went there. Like we just want to make individual, self-contained songs on this album. Now, promised land. People look at um, the the follow-up to Empire as sort of a concept album. It's not a concept album. It's a theme album. Um <sighs> It's not a concept album because there's no real narrative. It's just that there it's just sort of like a thematic thing about the different stages of life, that kind of thing, you know. So, I got you. So anyway, enough about Queen So,
1: the next band that I picked, um this is probably one of my favorite albums of this time period, which is middle 90s, 1995 mm-hmm. specifically, when Fear Factory Demanufacture came out. It was like my album. I loved that fucking album, dude. Yeah. Uh-oh. Same year that Machine Head, uh, the first Machine Head album came out. Yeah. Um, it's a really good me- year for that style of metal. But a lot of people don't look at D-Manufacture as a concept album, but it really is. It's, yeah. Every, it's this, it's basically, description is, it's a man's struggle against a machine-controlled government with each song a chapter in his life. So it's a continuation from here, from the beginning of his life to the end of his life, trying yeah. to fight these machines. And truthfully, it the band has admitted that is loosely based on Terminator.
2: Good, so, good source material.
1: Yeah. So the song that we that I picked out is called HK Hunter Killer, which is, of course is one of the Terminator model numbers.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: the flying, you know, machine.
2: I guess I was too naive, and you know, it was too. Uh, uh, I was like, because like, when this album came out, I was in eighth grade. So, yeah, I, I guess I just didn't pay attention to the fact that it was a concept album back then. We need to do a, uh, an I mean, episode based on that year alone. A like ni- weird '90s metal. Weird '90s metal, <laughs> weird
1: 90s metal. yeah, man.
2: Well, we, I, I was I was commenting before we started recording how we were listening to to manufacture and it's like, yeah, this sounds like the '90s. This sounds like it was made right in the middle of the '90s. You know, oh, well, something about metal albums in that era. They had that certain sound, and it's like. It's very identifiable to me. I don't know. But, um, you know, Fear Factory, I always thought, like, I always knew they were sort of, like, lyrically touching on, you know, like, uh, technology and and um, futurism and stuff like that and their concepts. I just thought it, they, I, you know, I didn't actually think they had, like, narratives to go along with it. So this is kind of a a, a revelation to me, sort of, like, going in and finding out something about something about an album that i didn't realize basically
1: it's 20 years old this year and they're <laughs> yeah. playing it live uh in some european shows hopefully they'll do that here in america yeah that'd be cool to see yeah they have a new album coming out real soon i've heard one track is actually really good oh yeah when's the album supposed to be about uh next few months i believe okay. september early september maybe yeah yeah so you know they're gonna be doing a tour yeah it'd be cool if they do a 20th anniversary tour of the manufacturer here yeah because they're broken here
2: Yeah,
1: I mean, replica was a fucking huge song, you know. Right.
2: Yeah. So in my mind, and I, I think that I always associate obsolete with with where they were, you know, where they blew up. But yeah, I mean, I guess they were getting up there already. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. This
1: is what really put them over the line, I think. Yeah. Um. This is Burton C. Bell's best performance, I think. Yeah. Because I mean. Sorry dude, but uh he he's not very good live.
2: Oh really? And he's yeah, I've never he seen them live.
1: He can't really uh he can do some of the harder, harsher stuff, but this the, the smooth the melodic smooth, stuff. Yeah, it's not
2: Oh Anders frieden syndrome. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Hopefully he's better. I mean I saw the, the Burton C. Bell was ministry one time, which was pretty cool. Yeah. When ministry I'm using air quotes here, supposedly was the last tour ever and the last three or four songs they brought burton c bell out on each show and they did old shit like sieve and stigmata and he was singing all that shit which oh, was really cool okay yeah but yeah, he's good at that shit yeah but all right let's get into uh hk hunter killer from Manufacture fear factory 1995 bitches concept
2: You were just listening to fear factory uh we were just fighting against the machines i love the way that song ended with just the crazy effects yeah same way the queensreich song ended just like the weird whispers going on in the guys that's head. right if you haven't heard those songs before if you haven't heard those albums before and you hear that out of context you would think to yourself like what that, that is the most bizarre way to end a song possible you because know? they flow into the next track. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's that's one of the things about concept albums that I love is like just the the weird little things they'll add in there to to and, that, and to me like a really good concept album does do the whole one song transitions into another. I love those effects. You know, maybe uh makes for awkward uh shuffle listening on your iPod. Yeah, it really now. does. <laughs> sometimes
1: you don't, okay, especially when like you listen to a live album. Yeah, you're like oh. And you hear the song, and then you're like, "Oh, well, here's the song we're gonna play next." I always wondered why don't they put that at the beginning of the track that's about to play instead of the end of the track before? Because yeah. then you get all excited and you have it on shuffle, and you don't get to fucking hear it. <laughs> yeah, and then like the like, Dixie Chicks come on or something. <laughs> Dixie Chicks? No, <laughs> I don't have the I don't have the Dixie Chicks in my playlist
2: anywhere. Uh, I've raised a suggestion, and now people are gonna think. One of us is listening to the Dixie Chicks. I think it's you, sir. It's good enough. Um The I'm sorry, dude. I, I <laughs> can't get over the Dixie Chicks. Well did listen. Did you have I, tickets to the, Fair the too? The Dixie Chicks have concept albums too. I don't listen to the Dixie Chicks. I'm just I just thought that was the weirdest example I could think of.
1: Do they really have concept albums? Um Don't have to look it up. We're good. The Dixie Chicks have I know they have a concept song. Okay, we're we're good. Let's stop talking about it. <laughs> I'm done. Let's talk more about Fear Factory. Yeah. D manufacture. So loosely this album based on Terminator, on the storyline of Terminator and the futuristic, you the very know, the that we're machines. talking about t- Terminator Did you see the new Terminator? No. Are you going to?
3: Uh yeah, eventually. It's really good. Eventually. Yeah. It is
1: good. It is what it is. It's it's the better sequel al- after T two. Yeah. Um it's a little timey wimey as I called it. Huh. But it's it's very cool.
2: I I was the kind of person who didn't mind seeing Terminator 3 or Salvation. I'm no, like, I agree. Hey, I just like this universe, you know, so.
1: this, If you like those movies, you will love yeah. Genesis. Yeah. And as I make the joke on Metal Geeks, if you haven't heard that episode, I like the original title of Terminator Genesis better.
2: <laughs> Isn't it called Terminator Genesis?
1: No, not the original title, though.
2: What was the original title?
1: Terminator Super Nintendo. <laughs> what?
2: Oh, okay. Genesis, I, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I get it. All right. Oy. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. I'm a um, big fan of any storyline that has artificial intelligence in there. Right. Person of interest fans. You know what I'm talking about. No, I a- don't. Anyway, uh, moving on.
1: But yeah, before we move on, you know, the i think the futuristic aspect of the theme of this album the music really played into it just with the industrial vibe to it the keyboard heavy keyboard laden stuff the the sound the effects that reese fielber was able to produce for the band and yeah
2: and mixing into the music it was really good also very like the concept the the actual subject matter is pretty timely when you think about came out in the mid-90s yeah when the internet was just becoming a thing, it was just getting introduced to in people's fuck houses. Is the yeah, it was. It was. It was. I was watching a Frasier episode that the other day, where they were taught where Frasier's uh, not very middle. I know, but in the in there it was you know mid nineties Frasier episode where one of the characters is trying to explain to an older character about the information superhighway and how foreign it all seemed and stuff to them and I remember thinking, like, how, yeah, like, I remember vaguely thinking how weird it, the idea of that seemed. The first time I ever heard of the internet was in a article on Popular Mechanics magazine titled The Information Superhighway and going, what the hell are these guys talking about? And so, like, Fear Factory kind of playing on those, A, playing on the Terminator stuff, because Terminator 2 had just come out a couple years before. Yeah. And then, like, the fears about, like, what's this, and this, what's this internet thing doing? And then, like, They were even talking about Y2K as early as 95, right? Probably, yeah. Yeah, Or indicating, yeah. So there's like weird stuff with technologies changing, everything's changing. It was a good time for the album to come out. If someone, if a metal band today tried to do an album about like that, it would come off more in the realm of science fiction. Mm-hmm. But I think that because it was in the mid-90s, Fear Factory is able to kind of make it more grounded in reality, more gritty, you know?
1: It reminds me, it's like, it, yeah, because it's sort of like that, the the Tomorrowland at Disney, when they started that, it was like, oh, it's a futuristic view of the 2000s. Yeah, yeah. And they have to go back and change shit around because it came to that and like, eh, none of that stuff is real. Yeah. We don't have flying <laughs> yeah. cars right, and all that. Right, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, exactly. Um, D manufacture is still one of my top albums of all time. Yeah. I, really, I really love that album. Cool um let's move on to another album that i really really love mm-hmm. which is this is a full blown concept album to to the nth degree it's iced earth the dark saga
2: yeah there were a couple ways we could have gone with iced earth because my first thought was dark saga but then i thought um you know night of the storm rider was definitely a concept album Um uh, it's just that maybe the narrative wasn't so readily apparent because it was an original narrative. Right. Whereas the, Dark Saga is very much like plugged into the Spawn universe, like right away.
1: This is the first album I ever heard of them, truthfully. Yeah. I, oh, me too. Maybe I remember too. The, the, I don't remember the day, but I remember, you know, the first time I ever heard this album, I was back, the, do you remember the Warehouse Music in Sugarland? Yeah. So you used to be able to go in there and I would just browse through all the metal stuff and just, oh, this looks interesting. Right. You can bring it up to the counter. And listen to They have it. a listening yeah. counter. And they would fucking rip open the CD for you yeah. and play it for you. You sit there with a little portable CD player and listen to it. First time I heard I was like, oh, wow, Spawn's on the cover of this album. I've got to hear this. Yeah. And I became a diehard Iced Earths fan. I It just, like a light bulb, it just clicked. I was like, I love this band. They're, yeah. they're amazing. And... First time I'd ever heard them, and I I loved this album. I bought it right away. I, you know, that actually worked. I listened to it and bought it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which yeah. usually a lot of the shit I was like, oh, this is not good. I'm not going to buy this. Right. But yeah, Dark Sog is one of my favorite albums from that time period as well.
2: Yeah, it was the first album I heard by them. Actually, the first time, the first song I heard from them was, um "A Question of Heaven." uh This guy and you said, you know, he was like, hey, if you if you like Metallica. I got this other bandy you might like and, and he was the one who introduced me to Iced Earth. And um so when I heard Question of Heaven I was I was sold on the album. And the album itself was was for me interesting because I wasn't really that big into comics and it kind of introduced me to Spawn storyline a little bit. And I kind of got briefly into Spawn for a while, like I was reading graphic novels and stuff like that. Um so it uh you know the the thing about the album is that like a really great album, even if you have no interest in the concept, it still works just as a great heavy metal album, very if, epic in parts. If you
1: If you listen to the Metal Geeks podcast, um, you know one of the segments that we do. We have one of our co-hosts is a guy named George, right? <laughs> he's, he's in the metal, but not really in the metal right, like yeah. us. Like you and me and then Dave, our other show co-host, last week on the show, you have to go listen to it, we made him... For the segment we have each each episode is called George hates metal. We right, make a listen yeah. to a metal album and get his opinion on it. We made him listen to the Dark Saga last week. Nice. Yeah, he didn't hate it,
2: right? Oh, cool. He's okay. Like,
1: I think a lot of his problem is is vocal style. He doesn't like the the power metal vocal style. Yeah. yeah. But you know, Ice stirs it was enough for him to. It was. It's. It's power mentally enough, but it's sort of, you know, it's very melodic. Right. And it's, I think he enjoyed it for that reason. Yeah.
2: (laughs) A question for another time that we can probably do on another (laughs) show is. Why does George have a problem with those types of vocals? And I have, I have several theories, but we'll, I'll save them for later. We need to get him on this show and find out. I think it has a lot to do with uh, how it makes uh, how. Uh, never mind. I won't we, go we've
1: never it. had George on in Mytharcast.
2: Yeah, we need to bring him on here, and actually just kind of grill him one day.
1: We can have a metal one-on-one for him.
2: We we'll just it would we'll just have the title of the show be be George. George hates metal. <laughs> George hates metal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think we're going to do that now. Okay. Um, yeah. So the the track that we. I decided to pick, um, every track on this album is really, really good, but something that epitomizes the the album is called the Hunter, yeah, which it's based on Angela, who is now a character in the Marvel, uh, Marvel comic book universe.
2: Oh, cool. So this was, um, Todd McFarlane, Todd McFarlane, he wasn't part of, of Marvel or DC, right? At the time
1: this is after this came out this is after he was part of marvel he left okay you know he was doing spider-man and venom for a while yeah uh he created venom one of the characters he created and then he left marvel to start image comics which is image and he right. started spawn with yeah. his main main deal and the, uh the the if you don't if you don't know you're not a big comic book nerd uh the cover was done by an artist named greg capullo who also did a couple other Ice Stars like, albums like Something Wicked This Way Comes. There's one other I can't remember. I at
2: least thought McFarwin actually drew the cover himself on this one. I
1: thought it was Greg Capullo. Well, oh, yeah,
2: you might be right because um. I, I had him sign the
1: um, actual CD case. I'm, he was at Comic Palooza last year. Yeah, I'm the only one who brought him Ice Earth stuff to autograph. He's oh, like, yeah. Holy crap, man! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I got to interview him for Metal Geeks. So He's really cool. It's like we did the interview with Weird. And at the very end, after we stopped recording, we started, he's like, oh yeah, he started talking about Ice Earth. And we started talking about metal. Yeah. He's like, what well, the fuck, weren't we're recording this, man? He was like, he's yeah. so New York, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's a super cool guy, though.
2: There's an interesting backstory about this album, too, was that it, caught, it was the first major schism between Century Media and Iced Earth because uh-huh. um, the agreement that Schaefer and McFarlane had, I, I guess a verbal, in, in principle agreement, was that... The album was going to come out, and then a comic book was going to come out from McFarlane that would tie into the the, the Dark Saga album. So would, there was actually going to be a companion book to this. But something, and the details were never really revealed, but John Schaefer's very bitter about it. And he basically says that someone at Century Media screwed up the deal. They pissed off McFarlane, and the whole thing was scrapped. And so... um, after the whole, like, burnt offerings incident or or time period, he was also – he had just made this album, Dark Saga that he was really into, that he was really proud of. And then just when he thinks, like, everything's going great for the band, all of a sudden this deal gets – you know, the rug gets pulled out from under him. Hmm. And he started kind of mentally preparing to, like, say, screw you, Century Media. I'm "I'm counting down the albums in my deal Mm -hmm. until I can get out. So, yeah.
1: (laughs) So according to Wikipedia, which, you know, is always – True. <laughs> yeah, uh, the cover art of the Dark Saga depicts comic book artist Todd McFarlane's character Spawn, on whom the entire album is based. John Schaefer was a big fan of Spawn. Originally, contacted the director of promotions for Todd McFarlane about possibly writing music for the upcoming Spawn film adaptation and animated series. Schaefer eventually met McFarlane, and asked if he would do an album cover, to which McFarlane agreed. Later on, Schaefer decided that the whole album should be based on Spawn, seeing how the character would be on the cover, anyways. At first, McFarlane wasn't on board with the idea, but allowed the band to go along with it.
2: Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. If, you, if you listen to Schaefer's interviews himself, he tells a much more uh, different story. You know? Yeah. Uh, in fact, if you have the bonus, edi- the bonus edition of Horror Show, the one that comes with d- the second disc where he right. does an interview with Amit Sharma or whatever, um, in that interview, he talks about the incident. So, it's actually on record. like a, an, It's on the Iced Earth quote unquote album where you can hear uh, John Schaefer's, ex, it was like a 30, 40 minute long interview. I remember that now. Yeah. And he, he talks about it in that interview. So, I don't know. It, it was an interesting thing. So, let's, uh, let's get into the song.
1: All right. Uh, this is The Hunter. The Hunter from The Dark Saga. Matt Barlow kills it on this track. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's get into it. Turned, we just got uh, hunted mm-hmm. by the hunter. They should probably call it the huntress.
2: Those riffs just are so fierce.
1: That song is it's it's based on a character called Angela, who was created by Todd McFarlane and Neil Gaiman. Yeah, and uh, and I think I said before Neil Gaiman owned the rights to this character, so he brought her to Marvel
2: about two or three years ago,
3: huh.
1: and she's been a character in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy for a while, which oh, is okay. pretty cool. Yeah,
2: yeah. Didn't realize Neil Gaiman was doing yeah. stuff like that back then. Wow, American Gods is an awesome book if you haven't read that. Making book. Making a TV series out of it. I know. I can't wait. I can't wait to see the casting on that. I'm such a dork about that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so. All right, so um, going back to the metal here. Yeah. Uh, so that was the Dark Saga, you know, entirely based on the character Spawn. Uh-huh. Really cool comic book. If you're a, you know, it's the epitome of what metal geeks really is. It's it's comic books and and heavy metal. Melted together, you know what I mean.
2: That, that is true. Yeah,
1: it's the perfect dichotomy of what the show is about.
2: Yeah, it was also foretelling because, like, that. Look, look that, at us using all those big damn words. Well, look at like what he did afterwards because something wicked came right after that. Yep. Now, something wicked was generally a standalone album except for the last three songs became the something wicked trilogy. Later, he which turned into a couple albums, two albums, which were you know, middling albums, and un- yep, unfortunately, agreed. his concept got blown on some. On a bad period of Iced Earth's career, you know. I, imagine if he had saved those ideas and and waited till the Stu Block years yeah. and like, really went for it. It's like,
1: yeah, but the last Iced Earth album <clears throat> was sort of mediocre to me. Okay, yeah, fair. Okay,
2: <laughs> I mean, I I think it was good. It just felt rushed. Yeah, Dystopia was a great album. D- dystopia was amazing. Yeah, theme album, Dystopia. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I I, I don't know. Uh, Wasn't fully conceptualized. I mean, if you want to listen to an example of a concept album that just, it's some half-baked, listen to Crucible of Man by Iced Earth, because it's like, you know, even Framing Armageddon too, because I can see what he's doing, it's just, it's like, you, he's basically, he's trying to cram a narrative, he's trying to cram like an Assassin's Creed type narrative into the space of a 50-minute album. Right. It's like, who is the narrator? Like who's telling me about these thousands of years and stuff? Maybe set up some framing devices or something, you know? Like you should be framing, you should have framed Armageddon. You don't just have the lyrics come at me in the wave. Who's telling me the story? How can I believe the narrator? You know that, concept albums have to be like I don't know. The concept album has to have like a good narrative voice for it to be compelling. You know, like think about Queensrÿx Operation Mindcrime, where most of the perspective, lyrical's perspective, is from Nikki. Right, you know, it's from his and his and and you're not really sure he's a reliable narrator because he's sort of he's out of it and he's drug fueled and he he admits in the songs he's sort of like, um, what was that lyric in one of the songs? Uh, I think it was Eyes of a Stranger where he was like, uh, something was just a memory or something, right? He, he thinks it's just a memory. He's not even sure what's real, but when you have a concept album where the the like the story line just comes at you like a barrage, you know. Blind Guardians, Nightfall and Middle-Earth is a brilliant concept album because it is, it's almost a concept slash theme album because he's he's talking about specific instances in the Silmarillion where you can relate to the book but he always puts them in perspective of a character. So you're always seeing it through a character's perspective. You know, that's like the um, that's the framing device he uses to tell a story. That's, so a, think,
1: that's a good one. I mean, I thought about including a song from Nightfall on Middle Earth, but,
2: I mean... It's good that we're mentioning it. Yeah, I yeah. think so.
1: I mean, it is... I mean, if you're a Lord of the Rings nerd, it's an album you must listen to.
2: You know, and, and like, the new Boy and Guardian album that came out this year, I, under, I know that they wrote it as a concept album. It didn't work as a concept album for me. Yeah, because me Because it did the same thing that um, I was just accusing uh, Freeman Armageddon and Crucible Man of doing, which is sending me a ton of information with no real setup. I don't really know who's telling me the story and why they're telling me a story. So
1: now what about this next track? This is something that you picked. This is from uh the album Epica, not the band Epica, but mm-hmm. the album Epica from Camelot.
2: Yeah, and if and you have to think about Epica and the Black Halo as they're two they're just they're both connected because they uh Black Halo came out right after Epica. So this is basically Camelot's concept, um uh, you know two-parter basically and it's based on um the faust faustian story the oh really so um uh, i forgot who the writer was goth goth yeah that sounds right anyway faust faust so you know mephistopheles a sort of uh devil figure comes to tempt this person away from a life of enlightenment and and truth and spirituality into you know materialism and vanity and and greed and stuff like that. Like America, and and so um, the characters, the main character's name is Ariel, and he's in love with this woman Helena, and she represents all those good virtues, to, you know, and pure purity and all that stuff. And he gets tempted away from this into this life of 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 uh, worldly desires or something. Right. And so the the In album, sin. yeah, and sin. And so the album is basically follows the Faustian story. If you've ever read the the play, the the Faustian play, you can kind of piece it together. Even though Camelot do make take a lot of liberties, the reason why this album's so good is because Roy Kahn is an amazing lyricist. And so he, this was like his best work. Like just the framing devices there, the narrative voices there. He's always speaking through a character's perspective. And then the way the diction he writes is almost poetic, like there's just poetry on the album, mm. and it's um just uh, when 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 people think when Camelot fans think of like of like why they love Camelot, they think about Epica and the Black Halo together as like this grand story that they told. And It's a tragic story too. There is no happy ending there, you know. Um, and I picked I I, I picked this particular song. Uh, Lost and Damned because it has one of the things they did in the album was to infuse a bunch of different musical uh, instruments together and kind of make this tapestry of sound so when you hear the song Lost and Damned it's basically him talking to um, I think he's talking to another woman that he's met anyway in the storyline basically this is him saying like uh, I'm aware I made a bad choice you know but and the music around him is supposed to represent this like life of decadence so it's like a lot of like accordions and and like uh, weird strings and weird just weird sounds that are supposed to represent him being at this courtly party or something like that you know Mm. and he's having a conversation with this person and the way he refers to her in the lyrics like he's saying like you know, although you're close to me. So basically, you can imagine these two at this party in the corner talking to each other, you know, like looking at each other. And I like the way he, Roy Khan, he always does that like very subtly. Like he'll say, like, um, uh, there's another song on the album called Wander where he, he talks about two two uh, Ariel and Helena meeting, like a memory of them meeting on a summer's night. You're not talking about a, the Little Mermaid, are you? No, no, no. <laughs> but they're, they're meeting on a summer's night by the wishing well within the month uh, yeah within the month of june and just that image of like you can see these silhouettes coming together you know by this well it's just very good writing and so yeah um he write good he is in my opinion the best lyricist metal has ever seen wow and i had this article that kind of went semi-viral about the legacy of roy Kahn. that's where I actually talked about it at length about why the lyrics are so good so if you're interested you can go google that google legacy of roy RoyCon. it comes up like right away so cool check yeah. it out yes
1: let's get into uh we're going to get into Camelot and then we have another band that's going to come right after that and we'll be back to uh, talk about that track mm-hmm. when we're done yep see you in a minute Avantasia. We just got finished listening to Avantasia from the the Scarecrow trilogy, as you mm-hmm. call it. Yep. Um, the song that I picked was called "Dying for an Angel." Mm-hmm. You know, why I picked this one because Klaus Mine yeah. kicks ass on this track.
2: Yeah, yeah. Kind of a coup for Tobias Simon to get to get him. Now the Avantasia albums are loaded with guests. Um, someone might be wondering. Right now, okay, dummies, you guys have a, a show about concept albums. Why didn't you play something from the metal opera? And here's why. Because the, <laughs> Let's hear it. Because as enjoyable, as much as I love the metal operas, I love the metal, metal opera one and two, Are A, uh, they, they're, they're both two of the finest power metal albums ever recorded, um, and they're fun to listen to, and, and I have very warm feelings attached to them. They're not good concept albums because that concept on the metal operas, I'm sorry. With all due respect to Tobias Sammet, it's so convoluted that I tried to pay attention to it. I actually looked at the lyrics, looked at the story he had put it in the book in the booklets for the albums, and I still didn't understand what was going on. And frankly, I didn't care. <laughs> you know, I was just like okay, reach out for the white rocks. And it's a great song. So I don't really care what the greater concept is. And it's just it wasn't this was written back in ninety nine when uh, and if you heard interviews with Tobias back in '99, you know that English was not a strong suit of his, and he's never yeah. really been the strongest English speaker. So, and he's and he's gotten so much better since. So when you listen to, when you listen to the lyrics on those albums, the lyrics are kind of clunky. The storyline's even clunkier. The reason why I chose the Scarecrow Trilogy was because it's the first. A it's really recent. Um, we're talking about albums started in 2008, then 2010 um and they're an example of a i'm going to use a word here meta a meta concept album it's it's like Arion. well it, it, this is meta in the sense of like like social media meta mm. or reality tv meta because this when you listen to the when you pay attention to the storyline and it's very loosely woven throughout in fact Sometimes not in the right order, because it's done on purpose that way. But basically, throughout the Scarecrow, throughout the Wicked Symphony, and um, uh, Angel of Babylon, the storyline is about a guy, an artist, and you can basically call him a musician or whatever, who goes through this journey of, you know, like, it's basically a Faustian thing almost, just like the Camelot one was. Where he's tempted and led astray from a virtuous path, and he's and the, the temptations are more uh, abstract and more um, intangible. They're not. It's not like uh, a devil figure trying to tempt him away. It's more about like the glitz and the fame and sure. like appeasing critics and stuff. So basically, what the album is Tobias' life. It's Tobias Sammet? It's about him. Yeah, and I agree I, on and that it's,
1: one. It's, so, it's, listen <laughs> to the the plot according to Wikipedia. The story behind the Scarecrow album is largely open to interpretation. Tobias Simet has stated, I don't want to ruin the myth. It is not po- it's not possible to tell a story like a fairy tale. I can't go once upon a time because it's not as simple as that. You don't have to understand the story. You just have to feel it.
2: Yeah. And I think that, I mean, there's, there's so many convincingly emotional songs in the album that I do feel it. And I do understand what he's getting at. And there's, there's different characters on there, too. And if you really look into like the track listing of uh, characters and stuff, you can start to see, okay, now I get it. Okay, this is supposed to be this, and this is supposed to be that. But if you just let the album wash over you, you can still get the gist of the concept. So it's one of the more interesting concept albums within metal just because it's so meta. It's so much about sure. Tobias Sammet, And that might irritate you if you don't like the guy. But if you do like him, you sort of go, wow, that's a really ballsy move. To basically base your life as a concept album.
1: So, here's a couple of plot lines. These are from the, the booklets. So, from the Scarecrow booklet, it says the Scarecrow is a tragic story of a lonesome creature, emotionally isolated from his environment and suffering from a distorted sensory sensory perception. His feelings for the love of his life unrequited, he sets off on a journey exploring the left hand path, striving for inner peace, slog- slogging his way to approval and eventually facing temptation at the inner depths of the human soul. Right. Very Faustian.
2: Which, it's very Faustian, but it could also be about someone who is... It could be literally about a guy or a girl who has maybe tried to make it, like, in reality television, or, you know, and, and trying to find some easy way to fame or something, and they're, they're doing something in their life that's not exactly something tied to who they really are. You know, they're going after, uh, you know, glitz and fame and, 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 um, as they refer to as, you, I don't know what, what adjective he used to refer to it, but like, um, intangible desires that you, you see other people have and you want. Right. And basically it makes, it turns you into a different person.
1: So, just like Arion, the the Scarecrow, the 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 caliber of vocalist on these albums is pretty freaking staggering, man. Mm-hmm. So listen to this. You have, of course, you have Tobias Sammet, who's the main protagonist. Uh, you have Roy Kahn, um, playing a psychiatrist. Yorn Lund, uh, he's the Mister Mephistif- Mister Mephistif- Mephistif- Mephistif-
2: mephistopheles Mephistopheles
1: figure i'm tired um michael kiske bob catley amanda somerville alice cooper oliver hartman russell allen ripper owens claus mine andre matos from ingra and john the man oliva yeah which is probably my favorite track on all three of the albums it's the john oliva track
2: yeah that was uh death is just a feeling is, yes um, a great the emotion song. yeah
1: that he elicits on that song yeah. it, it fucking gets me man
2: russell allen is also um from symphony x is on the song on angel of babylon called states of matter and that's a excellent song it just really a, per- a perfect song suited to that guy's voice song? um states of matter it could be on uh, wicked symphony i can't remember the where the it's been so long But, um,
1: yeah, it's on, yeah, it's on the Wicked Symphony. Yeah, you're right.
2: Yeah, great, great singers. Yorn is just dominates on the album on on the title track to the Wicked Symphony. Yorn just owns that song. If you ever get the chance to check out the YouTube video, um, where they played that song in 2008, I think at the, um, either it's either at Vachen or at the, uh, the Czech, uh, the Czech Metal Festival. Uh, It's just a ripping performance.
1: Man, I gotta tell you. Tobias can write some catchy, yeah. infectious tunes. I, I, I deny you to listen to the Lost in Space and not come out of that song happy. Well, yeah. People, even though it's a and I love depressing the, song. I but,
2: love it's. I love that song. People hated that song. Oh, when I love it came that song.
1: Um, it's my niece's favorite. One of my niece's favorite songs. Oh really? Yeah. And like okay, so another another angel down, a um, twisted mind all. These yeah. are all amazing uh, songs.
2: A really great one on this, it was either on the Scarecrow or it was on, it might have been on the Scarecrow, was the uh, Wastelands by Michael Kiske, mm-hmm. um, which was like the most metal opera sounding song on the entire trilogy.
1: Yep, that's on the Wicked Symphony as well. Um, Dying for an Angel that wouldn't play. We're, we Klaus, you know, Klaus Minor, yeah.
2: Klaus Mine. Mine? Mina. And, Mina? Uh, you know, you, but Going back to Lost in Space. I love the music video for that song because it was one of those rare instances where the imagery for a music video perfectly fits the song. Yes. With the girl and on the moon and the weird trippiness of the video. Um, That song was such a ballsy song because it was like the first thing you heard from this project off the Scarecrow album. After like it was the first thing you heard after the metal operas. Right. And I remember when that single came out, the outrage of fans everywhere, just like, what are you doing? It was so poppy. And I just thought like, yes, go, go, (laughs) go full speed ahead with your, with your, because he, basically the story, if you want to read into like how he relates to his critics where he's basically like, you know, I'm writing stuff from an honest place. And anytime people say, I want you to go back and do power metal, like traditional power metal, you're basically just trying to stifle me creatively. So that's what I think of you guys. If you, if you like what I do, that's fine. And that's why I have so much respect for him because he doesn't, he likes pop music. He likes hard rock music and and the you know, integrating that into metal. And he thinks that people who are trying to, get him to go back into that power metal box or basically like his enemies. You know, I sort of respect that kind of like it's very it's almost it's almost it's it's a metal attitude from a guy he wouldn't really go, "Oh, that guy's super metal." You know?
1: So, let's go back in time a little bit. We have a couple tracks to play from the late 80s now. Mhm. Yeah. That really epitomizes what a concept album is. And it's probably some of the first concept albums that I ever heard. Mm-hmm. First of all, we have King Diamond, the title track from Abigail. And every album that King Diamond ever put was out a was a concept album. album. Yeah. So it was, it was very difficult to pick something from his career. But the infectious way he sings the, the song Abigail. Th- this is an iconic album. Too. It, it's an iconic song, iconic album. It's, yeah. It it really proved that metal could do a good concept album I think. Yeah. And yeah. then one year later you had legendary seven son of a seven son yeah. by Iron fucking Maiden.
2: Yeah. And Maiden were if you if you want to go back and delve into the history of Maiden um and especially Steve Harris is very adamant about this he where he was like we didn't know we were doing a concept album you know, the story just kind of came about as like a song idea of like, Oh, we'll have the central the seven son of a seven son. That could be a good song. And then every, and then they kind of realized that lyrically they were folding every song around the seven son idea. And then they just decided like, Hey, we'll just have, we'll just, yeah, this will be like a story we'll tell in this album. Iron Maiden didn't mess around with things like concept albums, you know? Right. Um, it was just something that happened and it was like a happy accident. I think that it happened. Uh, whereas, you know, if you look at Bruce Dickinson very in his in his solo career, a very conscious decision to make the Chemical Wedding a concept album. And I'm shouting out the Chemical Wedding here because I know we're not gonna play it, but um that's a very great late nineties concept album which some people could argue is a theme album i think it's it's because it's based on william blake's poetry yeah and stuff like that i think it's very much a concept
1: album seven son of a seven son is based on the orson scott card um book seven son yeah so let's get into these tracks and uh we'll we'll talk more about it when we get back yep check it out
2: listening to moon child we have to sing every time we come back now moon child um yeah i love that song i love that album my favorite iron maiden album
1: um no I, I don't know if i agree on that but it's a good album it's not my favorite though
2: well no no but but, but so what is your favorite
1: can i not answer that right now
2: <laughs> okay <laughs> i'm not saying it's their best because i know that's up for this debate sure but definitely i, I think it, it easily becomes my favorite there's a couple songs on here that i it's not an album that I, where i skip any song really like like i can't think of a weak link on that album mm. i mean it ends so strong too only can i play the, only with
1: madness the... sort of gets in on my nerves a little bit
2: oh but I, that chorus is so I, yeah. great i don't know only the good die young such a great finale and then there's, there's, you know, this, the, the title track itself, which is, oh, That's man. a great track. When they played that live, I, I lost it. That was such a great song to hear live.
1: Yeah, sir. Um, I don't know. So let's talk about King Diamond. Yeah. Who's touring with Slayer right now on the Rockstar. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not
2: going to that. Every time I think about King Diamond, I always get images of Jay and Silent Bob in my head. <laughs> From Clarks too. <laughs> yeah. From Grandma the, from Corks, I think they, they he was in Corks too, right? Just the first one, also. I think so. They're po- yeah, they're always pointing King Diamond, yeah. yeah. And there's gonna be a my metal. I'm assuming that they're gonna have uh, King Diamond appear in Corks three, at least the music.
1: Oh, I'm sure they have to. <laughs> they need to get King Diamond, the the yeah. the, the guy, yeah. get Kim in there,
2: who apparently lives in Dallas.
1: Yeah, he has a, a ranch somewhere. Yeah, huh. that's cool. Yeah. Um, big concept album. One of my favorites. One of my favorite bands of all time is Sabotage mm-hmm. And uh, they put it out a uh, concept album out. What year was the it, Streets?
2: It was eighty seven?
1: Was it, I thought it was eighty eight for some reason? Could be. Could be.
2: Let's, let's Gutter was Was Ballet before Streets or after? Streets was after, right? Uh, Streets was shit,
1: dude. We we're way off. Where's ninety one?
2: What? Oh, that's right. Because Edge of Thorns was 93. Yeah.
1: Gutter Ballet was 89. Okay.
2: So Streets was 87.
1: No, 91. Oh, 91. Okay. All right. You're going backwards even further. (laughs) Okay. I think Streets is just because they called it a rock opera. People were probably turned off, but it's it's an amazing album. It's weird. I I bought the remastered version when I was in Austin a, a few months ago. And the version of the song that we're going to play. um, let's see. I was going to play the title track, but I think I want to play Jesus Saves. Yeah. Yeah. No, Jesus Saves. I love that song. But there's a version on the album that I bought in Austin. Jesus Saves is a completely different arrangement.
2: Well, I've never heard that. It's it's
1: very interesting. I, when I was listening, I'm like,
3: what the Better
2: fuck? Better than the original arrangement? No. Or? Not no. as good as the original. Okay. I
1: love the original arrangement of the track.
2: Yeah, they shouldn't have. Uh, I don't know if it was a record company thing to do that, but I think they should have just called it Streets. Yeah. Um, I also waver back and forth because I really love Gutter Ballet right which was sort of a concept album too I think it was but um Sabotage I don't know Sabotage is hard to tell what's concept and what's not Dead Winter
1: Dead a great one too because
2: Dead Winter Dead and then of course The Wake of Magellan was a concept album yep. too but The Wake of Magellan uh, kind of one of their Western albums to me I, I couldn't really get into it that much there's no good tracks on it um, Poets Mad Men is apparently a concept album too
1: um, <laughs> I don't know where the concept lies. It's a great
2: album. I, yeah. Yeah. See, I mean, they, they just go on and on and on. So, yeah, Jesus saved.
1: Okay. So let's talk about the, the story, the story about streets. The story features a ro- fallen rock star called DT Jesus, downtown Jesus, mm-hmm. um, who has hit hard times. He is a drug dealer. As the story begins, DT Jesus is just another low life on the streets of New York city Streets. The album explains the story behind DT Jesus and his rise to fame again and his second fail. So, the version I bought—I'll have to let you listen to it. It's the there's a lot more narrative built into it huh. than I was normally used to, which it's really cool. Yeah, uh, just the weird version of Streets. I mean, of uh, Jesus Save, was a little off-putting.
2: I'm like, whoa, what's going on here? They didn't include the original on there? No, it's not on there. It's, it's a completely
1: different version of the song. Huh.
2: But, yeah. I wouldn't... Yeah. They don't even mention that in the wiki, right? That there's another version? No. Okay, that's strange.
1: So, uh, maybe I haven't read through it all, but... Let's see. We'll... Uh, maybe we'll... We'll play a little bit of both. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah. Let's play the original version here, though. Let's find it.
2: Chris Oliva is just all over this song. Just oh, yeah. examples of why that guy was such a brilliant freaking and, guitarist.
1: I don't care what you say. I love the vocal styling of John Oliva. Oh,
2: I'm I'm a total fan. Yeah, yeah.
1: He's such a he's such a quirky and weird guy too.
2: Yeah. What, what, I I honestly feel like if you're a metal fan and you and you can't find something to enjoy about his voice, yeah. There's something then there's something defective in your appreciation of metal.
1: Ever I since think. I, I got to admit, ever since we've been talking about Avantagea, the John Oliva song has been stuck in my head. Yeah, it has not left for a second.
2: Yeah, it's he's so distinctive. He's got such character to his voice. No one sounds like that guy, and and even when he goes when he goes in those high weird yelps that he tends to do, it's just one of those things that it's like. He, the song it's just so it the, whatever's playing like "Call of the Mountain King" it just demands those crazy sirens jokes. Come on, sirens! Yeah, it just it demands that kind of exaggerated vocal performance by him. So, yeah, he doesn't have to apologize for anything that. No, guys, he's that guy's John Leva, man. He's, yeah. he's
1: amazing. I saw him a couple of years ago uh, live. Uh, it was like a storyteller's type
2: of. Trailer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that was, was so, just last year, right?
1: Uh, December before last. So okay, yeah. A year about a year and a half now, so yeah. Amazing show. If you haven't listened to Razor Curtains, his solo album that came out in 2013.
2: Oh, yeah. I liked I liked it. Great album. On that, yeah.
1: a lot very A lot of Beatles influence on that album. Yeah. Which John Oliva, Sabotage, had a lot of Beatles influence. Yeah. Completely. So let's get into um, Jesus Saves uh, from Streets, Iraq Opera.
0: Hey, man. You got a quarter? You ain't got nothing? That's okay, man. That's okay. God bless you anyway, man. Hey, I, I hope I didn't scare you or nothing like that. I I, I ain't no bum or nothing. Uh, you know, I, I used to live uptown once once before, too, you know. No, no, I did, really, I did. I used to come down here and look look at all the characters. <laughs> um, I never really thought I'd be one of them, though. Characters, man. Know. A lot of characters. <laughs> hey. hey you got a minute you got a minute let me tell you a story about this friend of mine DT Jesus yeah. he used to stand for downtown Jesus he used to sell drugs and stuff down there and they used to come well we used to call him detox yeah he was one character one character that made it out of here let me tell you about him we This is
1: The rise and fall of DT Jesus.
2: Yeah. The rise and fall. The rise and fall. The oh. other, the other version you were playing me that you yeah. hadn't. That that is a, that's it's a strange reworking of the song because it's almost entirely a different tempo.
1: It's a totally different tempo. You can find it on uh, a couple of their best of uh, different albums, but the the version of Streets that I bought last year, it has more narrative built into it, and it has this version of of Jesus saved which took me by surprise when i first heard it i'm like
2: what yeah the hell i just think it's ballsy of them to release a version of the album without streets as we know or with that yeah without without jesus saves as we know it yeah like really that's like the iconic song of that album you know it really is so yeah um i think we've gone through a lot
1: of really cool concept albums
2: yeah. I'm sure we I'm sure, I know we've missed some from people.
1: I, I know we've missed some, dude. Um I'm trying to it was speaking of sabotage and you, know, you can always lump in the Trans Trans Siberia orchestra stuff. Yeah. Um you know, Tear has done someone's all I mean everybody from
2: Ulver, Symphony X. Yeah. Um, but you know that's the thing about metal, it's like again we we're going back to that earlier discussion we have, it's like anyone can say anything is a concept album do you ever do you ever like hear like read a press release from a band where they go this album is about the such and such storyline and involves these things you're just kind of like whatever like, yeah. i <laughs> really don't care you know
1: i, I definitely i agree amorphous um if you look some of the later era amorphous stuff yeah is, apparently like, the
2: last album was a concept or a, a, a theme album you know, it's, or concept some Finnish poems converted into music yeah from the the Finnish uh, Kale, Kalevala Kalevala yeah, yeah exactly. which is cool but I heard that album I heard an album about like you know typical Finnish topics like existential despair and depression that's what I got out of that album you know yeah so
1: you got Angra I mean of course we're looking at Arion um, Between the Buried yeah, Meads Angra
2: gonna... did Rebirth which I guess can be considered sort of ish uh, yeah
1: yeah uh Between the Buried of Me did the Parallax one and two, and they just put a new album out too. I believe it's sort of a concept album. Yeah. Got Blind Guardian, um While
2: Heaven Wept is released like nothing but concept yeah, albums, you know. It's true.
1: I'm just going to Alice Cooper, almost every single thing he's done has been a concept album. Cradle of Filth. we sort of had we picked out a song originally from Midian. I mean
2: <laughs> the Alice Cooper one I'm kind of like eh doing for the concept album. He is a concept himself, but it's like it's like giving wasp credit for making a concept album which they did two parts. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like do I really give to you know, do I really care that much about a concept album by wasp? Uh, no, no. Not really.
1: No, not really. Dio Dragonland did the uh the Dragonland
2: Chronicles trilogy, three albums. Dio had something else too. Was it Killing the Dragon? No, it wasn't Killing the Dragon.
1: Uh Magica
2: yeah, Magica was was a full-blown concept Demi album. Demi
1: Borgir tried, tried their hands at it in of de Diab, Diabli. Yeah. Dream Theater, uh, Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence was the other one That's what we're right. trying to think of. Yeah. Edge of Sanity did it, of course, with Crimson. The whole song with one concept. Yeah. One
2: song. You, you know what's, um I can argue is a concept album because Emperor? it was tied to a film was Nightwish's Imaginarium. Sure, it was essentially just a soundtrack to that movie, which is a narrative storyline. This is know? my
1: favorite one. Eiffel Duass. you've heard of them before, right? Yeah, they did an album in two thousand nine called Through My Dog's Eye. It's a concept album based, written from the viewpoint of a dog. Hmm, it's really interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, uh, Ever I'm just uh, Fairyland. Uh, Falconer. Do you ever heard of Falconer? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned uh, we were going to play something from Fate's Warning from Pleasant Shade of Grey, which is their concept album.
2: Which Falconer album did they write on that list?
1: They put the S- Scepter of Deception. Okay, Viking guess Kings so. and Dukes during the 13th century. Yeah, I
2: guess so. Loosely. Loosely. You know... Freedom Call? Do we mention what list we're looking at for everyone? Because if people want to look at this list... Yeah,
1: I found this list of... It's a list of basically all the concept metal albums. It's from uh rateyourmusic.com. concept oh, yeah. albums the rock metal operas aor hard rock and metal oh, yeah. a list
2: by roby72 I give if you if you yeah, google rate your music concept albums you'll probably yeah. find it it's
1: a great list i mean this is it, it really helped with our research it was, on this it was an That's interesting
2: it. list i just think that a lot of it is very much like uh oh, people's interpretation of a concept album is very loose you know like
1: guar ragnarok i believe that one
2: yeah i'll believe that
1: ragnarok I and roll it. man
2: yeah, you know, sometimes I think the more like, like because there's because so, metal is flooded with the idea of like themes and concepts tying these albums together. Yeah, the idea of an album is more important to metal than it is to any other genre. You know, it's not that important to a country artist who just has like, you know, songs about beer and trucks and <laughs> bars and stuff. But uh, to a metal band, you have to have some sort of cohesive thing. It's very it's it's a it, it's, you have it's to almost, have-
1: you have to inter- you have to have an interesting story you have to have well sought out lyrics you have to yeah. have you know and sometimes the music doesn't matter for a concept album i mean it helps
2: yeah I, you see and 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 then that kind of brings up the question of like as a as a metal listener, is it important to you that the album has a concept to it because it does it doesn't no, matter really. to me you know like it's it's fun though sometimes. the first thing I hear in when I listen to an album and I don't know anything about it's just the music itself. Let me let me ask you, you know, this. Um It doesn't make me excited when someone's when a press release says this is a new concept album. I'm not like, ooh, a concept album. I'm just sort of like I want to hear what it sounds to like. To
1: me, okay, a concept album, you have the full album, you have the CD or the vinyl. You you have the, the full-color booklet, you have the lyrics, you have the story right in front of you so you can l- look at it while you're listening to the album. Yeah. With the way people digest music now, which is all digitally, yeah. sometimes you don't get some of that stuff, it takes away from it. How are concept albums going to survive?
2: Well, but, you know, a perfect example is a couple episodes ago we were having this exact conversation about the Stephen Wilson album, which yeah. we mentioned earlier, how you hand said that you would... Ra-
1: hand,
2: hand cannot race, Yeah, hand, yeah. And I, I, I was telling you that I bought the Blu-ray edition that came with all the images and stuff like that that were set to the music. Which you still need to bring over for me to That's borrow. right. You need to do that. Where they, like, they went out and they they went and spent a ton, like, you know, I don't know how much money they spent to make these images, really convincing images of this girl's life. Yes. They made a blo- uh, an online blog at com, where you can read her diary entries.
1: It's a full... It's an immersive thing. It's a full-blown immersive music video. Yeah. Online, it's, it's, it's the full package.
2: If you really think about what they're doing, and they have the music, and he has music videos that tie into it, there's they're going back to like what Queensryche did in 88 or 89 or whatever that was when they actually recorded.
1: 1988, yeah.
2: They recorded those video segments to go along with the album, which was very ballsy for a band like that with no platinum records at the time to do. And... If you're if you're making a concept album today, it has you have to bring. I think to make it interesting to me, to a guy like me who like, when when the Hand Cannot Race came out and I and I heard that it was about this concept based on this real story, I threw myself into exploring everything I could about the concept album and the story it was about. If some metal band just comes up with a concept album and goes, "Hey, look, our new album's a concept album," what are you doing to get me excited about the concept? You yeah. know. Like, I I got excited about Cam Watt's concept because the the lyrics are so good. I wanted to find out what he was singing about. But if it's just average metal band making a concept album, they have to go above and beyond and do something else. Like, um, I know they're not metal, but Coheed and Cambria, all their albums are connected concept albums telling a story that is actually a a comic book series itself. Yes, That's cool because... If you're if you're just a fan of the band you can enjoy the music, but if you want to get further into it, like, whoa, you can read these graphic novels or whatever.
1: Uh speaking of, um, I have the graphic novel that uh Kurt Amaker, that he we've had him on a guest on, on Metal Geeks before, he did with Danny Phil based on a couple of Cradle Phil's of albums ago. Averse Safira.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, that's right.
1: I have the graphic novel of that sitting on my shelf right
2: that's here. That's cool. Yeah, and see I think I think if you're gonna do concept stuff now. You have to find a way to finance something else to go along with it. Some other um, artistic medium, medium yeah, of yeah, book really do. Or, you know, visual stuff or whatever. Yeah. Graphic novels really.
1: It's it's a little bit, you know, especially with the way the music industry is now, and the way people digest their music. It's not the same as it was ten years ago or fifteen years ago.
2: Well, I just think you have to ask yourself as a band. Why should we spend all this extra time making this album into a concept album if all we're going to do is just release it and it'll just get divided up into people's iPod shuffles anyway?
1: Right, exactly. Sh- your playlists or whatever. It's going to be on your Spotify
2: shuffle playlist. Yeah. So, uh, why don't we, if we're if we're committed to our concept, if, it, if we feel it's strong enough, let's do something special with it. And then I think the. <laughs> The one thing we've learned is that metal is not short of concept albums. Every band in, in under the sun apparently has a concept album going on. Um so and if I sound critical about that, it is I, I think I am critical about it because it's like I need something else besides the concept. The concept doesn't excite me. It's what's behind the concept that excites me, you know. I
1: agree. So um let's start wrapping up this episode. We've had a lot of great music, a lot of great discussion about concept albums and what a concept
2: album really is the next guy we're going to talk about is the guy who does the extra stuff
1: yeah he goes the extra mile but we'll oh, get to this, that in a second yeah, let's yeah. introduce or let's let everybody know where they can find us on the interwebs and all that good stuff so first of all um something big is coming up for this show right here msr cast it's reaching its 10 10 year anniversary yeah um it's pretty crazy man uh, beginning of September, I think September fifth, to be exact, will be the tenth anniversary of the show, and uh, we have some big things in store. You might find more than one or two co-hosts on that episode. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. Yeah, I'm excited for that episode. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Um, besides that, you can find us always on MentalInjection.net. That's been our home for almost ten years now. You can go to MSRcast.com which will take you to the Metal Geeks slash Cast website. Um, we have a new uh, collective that we're involved with. Um, it's more Metal Geeks, but Cast is involved. It's called the Houston Nerd Casting Collective. Hmm. It's, right now, it's about four different podcasts, a comical podcast, um, let's see, uh, the Warpod podcast, uh, Real Hipster Army, and then Metal Geeks and Cast are involved in that. Yeah. Um, so you can find that at houstonnerd.org real hipster the real hipster army is right right,
2: Uh, I need need to listen to this
1: they they liked shit before it was popular okay (laughs) Um, of course you can find us on twitter uh, MSRcast on twitter on instagram and on facebook MSRcast official there you can find the metal pigeon at
2: Uh, at the metal pigeon on facebook instagram and twitter
1: that's right makes it simple yeah, easy. Uh, check out your new article that just came out this week. Um, oh, about today actually. Today, yeah. yeah. Well, this week this by the week. time this <laughs> episode I, airs, I
2: forget this isn't a live show.
1: Um, so you talked about some new releases, the new Halloween, the new uh, Rhapsody.
2: Yeah, well, things. That, don't don't spoil anything. I'm not going to spoil anything, but like my I I didn't update for like a month because my stupid old laptop just it just it was, it was in its dying days basically, so I had to get a new one. So. I'm basically playing catch up on all the albums that have come out in the summer. And I'm still trying to play catch up right now, so I there's, think there's plenty of time. Yeah, and by the time we get the new and the next episode yeah. out, I'm sure I'm going to be behind a couple albums on that one. Exactly. too. Exactly. So. so
1: we have a couple plans for the next episode. That we we talked about our soundtrack heavy metal soundtrack episode. Oh
2: yeah, that's going to be. We're crazy. doing a
1: lot of research into that right now, and we're, we have another general episode. There's a lot of new music that I've been listening to recently that I want to get into. Yeah. Uh, some bands that I've I've discovered in weird ways that I'd never heard before, and I'm really into. Huh. So we'll talk about that later. Okay. Um, let's talk about this last concept uh, album of of the evening. It's uh, they just put a sequel out to it last year. Uh, of course, I'm talking about Devin Townsend. Uh, they did a sequel to Ziltoy, the Omniscient. They did an album called V Two. Um, not as good as the first one, I got to say, but it is a lot of fun. But I love Ziltoid the Omniscient. It's, it's a great concept album. It's comical. It's everything you would, you would want it to be from an alien puppet. Right. <laughs> so it's basically the concept is it's about a fictional ex- extraterrestrial being named Ziltoid from the planet Zilto- Ziltoidia 9. Ziltoid travels to Earth in search of the ultimate cup of coffee
2: very uh, hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy yeah
1: very tongue in cheek yeah. uh yeah it's a lot of fun yeah um one of my favorite songs on the album is called planet smasher it gets it's has a lot of the 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 storylines built into it where this planet smasher it's like it's huge device that's going to just destroy ours cuz he can't find the ultimate cup of coffee that's right. basically the, the premise of right. it. and uh yeah check out Devin Townsend um, one of my you know one of my favorite artists
2: I just like how he commits to his concepts just, you know like this, the DVD let me borrow of him doing the stage show
1: oh yeah like uh, yeah that that's, that's a concept full-blown yeah. concept from taking songs from various albums and make it into a concept yeah that's cool yeah so thanks for tuning into the the special episode of MSRcast. Um
2: send us more ideas for Yeah, if you theme have any shows. ideas,
1: yeah, exactly. If you have any ideas for, you know, topical
2: shows. Like some of them we're not going to if you send me an idea for like doing all grindcore podcast. I'm not sure I'm going to
1: It's going to be a short episode it'll too. It'll be a short
2: episode. we'll we'll play
1: you suffer for about 5 minutes maybe long. Maybe
2: we'll do a 10-minute grindcore episode. I don't know. <laughs> you know. We would talk longer than 10 minutes though. So. Yeah.
1: But yeah, if you have a, you know, a concept idea for an episode like a Whoa.
2: what if we make a concept episode about grindcore where what we like are the the length of time we talk about grindcore is limited to actual grindcore song lengths.
1: So if we talk about you suffer from Napalm Death, we can talk about it for 3 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Napalm Death is so Okay, Next song. All right. Next song. No, that's, that's longer than, that's longer than three three seconds. Seconds. Yeah. I can't even do it.
2: Yeah, we'll figure it out.
1: Yeah, send us an email at msrcast at gmail dot com with yep. your ideas. If you want to actually program an episode, we're up for that too. Send us a playlist about seven songs, uh, and we will listen to them and talk about it.
2: Yeah, it m- it might not happen, but we will always can look at it. No, we'll no, no. We, it. I want this to happen. Okay, I think that would be that'd be fun. I think um, I think that I trust our audience. <laughs> Yeah, I do too. To do to do a show that they think that everyone will enjoy.
1: Don't just put on your friends' bands, basically, yeah, or your band, or like
2: local Minneapolis metal bands.
1: That'd be still that'd be cool too, though. It, I don't know anything about it.
2: It could be cool. It could also be disastrous. Disastrous.
1: <laughs> so keep that in mind. Send us ideas yeah. of for what you want us to do in the future, um, and we will probably do them. So as always, I have been Carrie the Metal Geek.
2: I'm Sean the Metal Pigeon.
1: And uh, one last thing to say. Keep it metal.
2: Yeah, I was just waiting for you to say it, because I always have to say it. Say it this time. Uh, Keep it metal.
0: (laughs) Yes. I feel like a little bit of entertainment.
1: Thanks for listening to
0: another fine podcast brought to you by MSR Productions. All rights reserved, blah, 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 blah,
3: blah, blah.
2: For reviews, archives of our podcasts, and all your other metal geekery needs, please visit MetalGeeks.net.